Well, if you didn't know, I turned 40 this week. Um, if you're on social media, you might've uh, seen some of our posts, the church posts, I, I, I turned 40 and I know you're shocked. You're looking at me right now and you're like, there's no way you're 40. Like you, you gotta be like 25. I know, I get it, I get it. I know my gray hair on the sides is kind of a giveaway, but, uh, but I turned 40 this week and, and the way I figure it, I've got like maybe 40 years left uh, to, to pastor and, and preach at this church, you know, give or take, depends on how long the, the, the Lord chooses to, to, to have me here. I'm from Lubbock. We started uh, this church a few years ago. And so uh, I, I'm here for the long haul as long as y'all, as long as y'all have me. And so I figured this past year as 39 and knowing 40 was approaching, I'm thinking I, I've got maybe, maybe 40 years left of, of ministry, of pastoring. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, I, I want to go I want to go all in. I want to, I want to do this church, lead this church and, and, and preach in a way for the, for the last, for these next 40 years that will honor God and, and make disciples and prepare God's people for their works of service, for their works of, uh, of ministry. And so I just, I began to think to myself, I want to go all in. You might be thinking that's kind of a weird midlife crisis. I know. Okay, I'm a pastor. There's not like there's money to go out and buy cars and all that kind of stuff. That, that's, I guess, a pastor's midlife crisis is thinking about how they want to do ministry for the rest of their life. I, I don't know. At least that's the way it was for me. And so here's what this looked like for me. I decided I, I want to preach through the Bible. I, I want to preach through every single verse of the Bible. And so if you've been a part of our church, you know this past year, we, we decided that over the next 20, 30, 40, however long it takes us, we're going to preach through all the books of the Bible verse by verse. And so we started with Daniel. We've been in Colossians. Now we're in, now we're in Luke. We're taking a little break here for a couple of weeks uh, for a series we're calling No Other Name. But that was something I felt like the Lord laid on my heart, that for the remainder of my life, I wanted to preach through his word. And so we're in the process of that. But I didn't want to just preach it. I wanted to live it. I wanted to experience it. And so what we've said is that as a church, we want to go all in on making disciples. And so we're going to talk more about that and what that looks like today and how we're doing that here and there. And when we say there, we're talking about among the nations unreached people groups. So, so what does that look like to make disciples both here and there? And I don't know about you, but I, a lot over the last year, I've said, I'm giving myself to this and I'm asking for you to come along with me. And so we've, we've issued that challenge several different times and, and we're going to do it again here in this series. Now, the question might be Clayton, why this? Like why, why all in on uh, the scripture, all in on the gospel, all in on making disciples? Why, why would you give yourself to this and, and not to anything else this world has to offer? Why, why this and, and not something else? For, for that matter, the question might be, especially among non-Christians or, or maybe your, your casual churchgoer, like, like why are Christians so passionate about telling other people about Jesus? Why do they try to convince other people? Why are they trying to persuade other people about Jesus of the gospel? Why do they, the world would call it proselytize? Why are you so bent on 
proselytizing me or the world. Why, why would we give ourselves to this? Why would we proselytize? Why do we seek to preach and to spread the gospel? And, and then even more so than that, why, why would you give your own money, time, blood, sweat, and tears and sacrifice for that? I mean, there's so many to, to, to the world, maybe just to the casual churchgoer, there, there's so many other things that would be worthy or, 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 or get a better return in this life and in this world for your money, blood, sweat, tears, and time and sacrifice. So, so, so why, why this? Why give yourself to this? Why should you give yourself to this message? That's what I wanna to talk to you about this morning. We're gonna be in the book of Acts, but I'm gonna be all over the place, but we're gonna key in on a few places in Acts chapter 14 here in just a second, uh, but the verses will be on the screen. And the best thing you can do is follow along with today's message in our app. And so if you don't have our app, there's a QR code on the back of your pew. You can uh, you know, scan that and pull up our app. You can just download it in your app store. It's called the City Church Lubbock. Then click message notes and all the verses and the points and everything are there for you to follow along with us in the message today. And there's even some places where you can fill in the blank. And it's a great way to stay engaged during our time together. But, but let me kind of set, we're gonna get to Acts 14, but, but let me kind of set this up and tell you just a quick kind of thousand foot view story of the beginning of the book of Acts. In Acts chapter one, Jesus tells the disciples, you're gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit and then you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter two, the disciples, as Jesus said, the early church, they receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. Then it says, Peter stood up and preached the gospel. Peter, the same Peter who was scared and denied Christ, denied that he even knew Jesus, the, the same Peter who after Jesus was crucified was hiding with the rest of the disciples in a locked door room because they were scared they were next. So, so this same Peter in Acts chapter two stands up, it says he raises his voice and he addresses the crowd and he preaches the gospel. It says, this Jesus whom you crucified, he tells the people, you crucified him, has risen from the grave. He's proved that he is Lord, that he is God. And so repent of your sin and give your life to Jesus. And it says in Acts chapter two, that 3,000 people that day gave their lives to Jesus. In Acts chapter three, it's more the same. Peter and John are preaching the good news of the gospel. They heal a man, a crowd forms. In Acts chapter four, Peter and John are imprisoned because they won't stop talking about Jesus. They're warned to stop by the Sanhedrin. These are the, the, this is the religious kind of ruling body over uh, the Jews and over Judaism. And they told them, quit speaking about Jesus. Stop talking about Jesus. And here's what Peter and John say. We can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. We, we, we've seen Jesus risen from the grave. And so we can't stop talking about this dead man who came back to life, who died in our place for our sin so that we might be forgiven of our sin and made right with God. But then he didn't just die. Three days later, he rose again and he proved it by appearing to all of us. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says that he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. In Acts chapter one, it says that Jesus spent over 40 days with his disciples. And so they said, we, we can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. We can't stop preaching. We can't stop going all in. We can't, we can't stop sacrificing the great news 
of the gospel. They're warned to stop though. Even after they said, we can't stop, we won't stop. They they even said to the Sanhedrin, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's eyes to obey you rather than God. Like if we were to stop talking about Jesus, we would be disobeying God. It's a matter of obedience or disobedience whether you talk about Jesus or not. And and so they tell them, stop talking about him. So so do they stop? No, no, they, they, they don't stop. In Acts chapter five, they're arrested again. They're beaten. They're told to stop preaching about Jesus. But do they stop? No, the end of Acts chapter five. It says every day in the temple courts and from house to house and from city to city, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is God. They never stopped. And it says this in Acts chapter five, they counted themselves, they left after having been imprisoned and beaten we're talking about Jesus. It says they left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. That's a different way of thinking, folks. That's a different way of living and believing than most of us live and believe. They're told to stop, but, but do they stop? No. In Acts chapter seven, Stephen is preaching and he's stoned to death. The first believed to be Christian martyr. So surely now they'll stop. It's gotten serious. One of our own has been killed. Surely they'll stop, right? No, we can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. In Acts chapter eight, the believers are being persecuted And instead of stopping, it says they they spread out everywhere and they went all over the region. And it said they, everywhere they went, all the believers, not just the disciples, not just the apostles, not just Peter and John. It says everywhere they went, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news about Jesus. They all went everywhere preaching the gospel. In Acts chapter 12, now the gospel's gone as far as Antioch, Peter's been imprisoned again for preaching the good news, warned again, stop talking about this man, stop talking about this man named Jesus. But do they stop? No. In Acts chapter 13, the church in Antioch sends out Barnabas and Paul, Saul who became Paul, to preach the gospel and make disciples. And so Paul and Barnabas leave Antioch and they're going from town to town to preach the good news about Jesus. And we get to Acts 14, they've made made it all their way to, to Lystra. And here's what it says in Acts 14, verse 19. Here's where we'll kind of end our, our survey of Acts. We'll pick up a little bit more next week. But in Acts chapter 14, they're in Lystra. And watch what it says in verse 19. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. So, so Paul is preaching, Paul and Barnabas are preaching the good news about, about Jesus. And it says some of these Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium, they won the crowds to their side and watch what happened. They stoned Paul and they dragged him outside of town thinking he was dead. They, they tried to kill him and they thought they succeeded. So they, they, they stoned him, they dragged him outside, they left him for dead, but as the believers gathered around him, so they gathered around him, he, they think he's dead, they, they gather around him, maybe he was dead, maybe we don't know, but they gathered around him, they, they prayed for him, and watch what happened. <laughs> Is this what you were expecting? He got back up and went back into the town. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. They stone Paul, they leave him for dead, 
believers gather around him. They pray for him. He gets back up and he, <laughs> he goes back into the city where they just stoned him, where they just tried to kill him. He goes back into the city to preach the gospel after having just been stoned and left for dead for preaching the gospel. I don't know about you, but if someone stones me and tries to kill me for preaching the gospel, I'm not getting back and going right back to them. I'm not getting up and going right back into the city that stoned me and drugged me out and left me for dead. Verse 21, it says, they, they had left, they're going for Derby. Then they go, it says in verse 21, then they go back. He's gone back. He leaves and verse 21 says, he goes back again. What, <laughs> Paul, have you lost your mind? What, what are you doing, bud? They're gonna kill you. Why? Why? Back to the question in the beginning. Why? 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 After being stoned and left for dead, why would you go back? Just, just process this with me for a second. Why would you go back? Why would you be willing to sacrifice your life for this gospel, for this good news about Jesus? Why, why Paul, literally, would you give your blood, sweat, and tears and risk your life Paul, surely, this, this is what we say, surely if you're in the center of God's will, that's the safest place to be, right? Not according to Paul. He goes, he goes back, why? Here's why. Because Paul was all in. Paul was all in. All in on what? Well, let me show you the message that Paul and the other disciples and the early church was all in on. Here's why, here's why they couldn't stop talking about what they seen in her. Here's, here's why they, they, they went all in on this gospel, on this gospel message. Here's why. Here's why they were willing to live for Jesus and die for Jesus. Here's why. Acts 4 verse 12. When Peter and John were standing before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter four, after having been arrested, here's what they said. Watch this. There is salvation in no one else. God has given, say this with me on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. No other name. One more time. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name that we have been given by which we must be saved. There is no other name. There is no other way to heaven. There's no other way to God. There's no other way to be right with God. The disciples you got to follow me here. The disciples were all in on this message. If there was another way, then they wouldn't be giving their blood, sweat, and tears and dying for this man named Jesus. If there was another way, then there would be no reason to go all in like they did on Jesus, right? I mean, if there was another way, then there, there's no reason. But here's what the apostles, the other church was, was all in on. 
There is no other way. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And so if there's no other name, watch this, follow me. If there's no other name, then there's no other choice. Like Paul, if there's no other name, like the apostles, like the early church, if, if this is true and there is no other name by which we can be saved, then there's no other choice. If there's no other name, then there's no choice to be some American casual Christian attender. That's not an option if there's no other name. If there's no other name, then there's no other choice. Just like Paul, we must be all in. Here's what Acts 4.12 says, that this name has been given. It, it's, it's not learned, it's not achieved, it's not earned, it, it's not a way or, or a, 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 a path that you figure out. God has given us this name. This is God's heaven and he has made a way for you and I to be forgiven of our sin and to be right with him. He's made a way. It's been said that even if there, God made a thousand ways, we would complain that he didn't give us 1,001 way. Instead, we should be rejoicing that he's given us a way. He's given us a way to be forgiven of our sin and to be made right with him. And it, it's not a path by which you earn something, you discover something, you figure something out. No, it's a name that we've been given to trust in, to believe in who died in our place for our sin so that we wouldn't have to pay the fine for our sin. Eternity separated from God in a place called hell. There's no other name that was given. So, so watch this. There, there's not gonna be some attendance mark that you make at church that's gonna make you right with God. There's not gonna be some amount of, of prayers that you're gonna pray that's gonna make you right with God. There, there's, no, there, there's, there's no baptism or sprinkling or confirmation or confet or that none of that is going to help or make you right with God. God has given a name by which we are to trust in and give ourselves to. And, and that's the way that we're forgiven of our sin and we're, we're saved and made right with God. So it's not a skill that you're going to learn. It's not a religious system that you're going to get good at and figure out. Parents, your kids are not going to be made right with God because they're great at sports, because they make a high school team, because they make division one athletes and scholarships. That is going to do nothing for them in their relationship with God. That stuff's all great and good. It's going to do nothing for them in their relationship with God. Neither will their education, neither will their job, neither will the money that they make one day. All that is absolutely useless and worthless before a holy and righteous God. It's all great and good, but it is absolutely worthless when it comes to your standing before God. There's no other name that's been given by which we must be saved. It is becoming by the week and by the month, more and more increasingly true that church people and evangelicals 
are becoming functional universalists, believing that there are multiple ways to heaven, that there are multiple ways to be right with God. Polls are showing today that this quote unquote subculture or political group now of evangelicals don't actually believe what the Bible has to say about the Bible. Don't believe what the Bible has to say about God, about Jesus, about hell, and about what it means to be right with God. They're they're not believing core central Christian doctrine and truth. And so it's no wonder that our country is in the state that it's in. Some Christian leaders are saying we should just abandon the name evangelical altogether because it's absolutely useless at this point because of what evangelicals claim to believe and what they don't believe. So we're becoming, church people, evangelicals, are becoming increasingly more and more Universalist, believing that everything's okay, that everything's gonna be fine, not actually believing in hell, and so that results in no urgency, believing that everything's just gonna be fine because we're Americans and because we attend church maybe twice a year. Acts 4.12 tells us what the disciples, what the apostles, the early church believed was that there's only one story that brings resurrection from the dead. And that's the story of Jesus. There's only one story that brings forgiveness of sin. And that's the story of Jesus. There's only one story by which you can enter into the grace of God. And that is the story of Jesus. There's only one story that brings about ultimate justice in this world. And that is the cross of Christ. It's the story of Jesus. At our church, we have what's called the City Seven. The City Seven are seven foundational core truths to the Christian faith that tell us what we believe and why we believe these things. And this week at our church is City Seven truth number five, and it goes like this. Why do I follow Jesus? Right back to the beginning. Why do I follow Jesus? Why why do we preach this message? Why do we sacrifice it? Why must we go all in? on the message of Jesus. Why? I follow Jesus because Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that as John 14, six says, there's no other way. There's there's no other way to the father, Jesus said, except through me. That's why we follow Jesus, because Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he's God, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one goes to heaven except through me. That's why Paul was all in. That's why Paul, after being beaten and left for dead, got back up and went right back into that city and continued preaching the good news of the Jesus. That's why Peter and John could not stop talking about what they've seen and heard. That's why the message of Acts is that in spite of persecution, sacrifice, blood, sweat, and tears, whatever it takes, they were all in. They were all in that there's no other name, that there's no other way to be right with God, that there's no other way 
to be rescued from the fine of your sin, which is eternity separated from God in a place called hell. There, there's no other way. And maybe you're here today and you've been trusting in another way to make yourself right with God. And I, I pray that you hear God by his spirit calling you to himself this morning saying, no, 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 no. There's, there's no other name. There's, there's no other way. Salvation is found in no one else. Give your life to my son, Jesus, today that you might be forgiven of your sin and made right with God. And if that's you, jump on our app, fill out our connect form and let us know that you're giving your life to Jesus today. But this is why Paul was all in. Paul, the other apostles, this is why they said to live as Christ and to die as gain. Jesus is worth living for and he's worth dying for because Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only way to the father. So here's what I want to do kind of for the rest of our time together. I want to talk about now, what does this look like for us? How are we doing this both here and there today? We're going to talk about here next week. We're going to look again at some more in Acts and we're going to talk about how we're going to accomplish that there, like among unreached people groups that have never heard the name of Jesus. So, so today is here locally next week is, is there. We'll talk about among the nations, because if there's no other name, remember, if there's no other name, then there's no other choice. We must be all in on the message of the gospel. So, so here, here, today we're gonna talk about here. So first of all, here, here's what we're doing here. If you were here a couple of months ago, we talked a little bit about this, but we are seeking to make disciples of our kids, our youth, our college students, our young adults, and family units as a whole by teaching and studying the scripture verse by verse here in our worship services, in our kids and youth classes, which cover the exact same verses and big ideas that we talk about in here. If you've been here, you've heard me say that over and over and over again. Right now in our kids and youth classes, they're studying Acts 4.12 and they're learning there's no other name. Salvation's found in no one else. If you wanna know what your kids are talking about right now in their class, they're talking about Acts 4.12, that there's no other name, that salvation's found in no one else. And so in our kids and youth, we're teaching through the scripture, verse by verse, just like we're doing in here in worship. In our groups, our city groups, these are our small group Bible studies, they as well are walking through the verses in the scripture with us. We've been going through the, 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 the gospel of Luke. They're studying the gospel of Luke. Uh, we give them questions and, and, and prayers to pray and application points over everything that we're talking about on Sunday morning. So we're doing that through our groups. We're doing it through what we call our table talk. This is one of the ways we're trying to help disciple families and help parents lead their families spiritually. Right now on our app, you can go under Bible study on our app and there's the table talk and we update that for every Sunday. And so you could go to lunch right after church with your family and there's questions there, the verses are there. Uh, there's some prayer points there for your family. So we, we, we're trying to help you and equip you and come alongside you parents, as you carry the ultimate responsibility and the primary responsibility of your family to disciple your kids, not to make money, not to see that they're good at sports or get a good education. The primary mission of your family, according to God, is to make disciples of your kids. And so we're trying to help you with that and come alongside you with that with the table talk that's updated every week. And it helps you as a family just spend time with God together and discuss the scripture together. And then finally through our daily devotionals, Monday through Friday, 
This, this coming week, our daily devotionals will be all based on the scriptures that we read today, the things that we talked about today, when we're, as we're going through the, the gospel of Luke, when we pick that up here uh, in, in a few weeks, it'll pick right back up with those same verses. It'll give you some commentary on each one of those verses, application points, prayer points for every one of those verses that we talked about on Sundays. We're, we're going all in on studying, learning, and knowing the scripture. And if you've been here for very long, or if you're one of our members, you've heard me say, my eventual goal and vision is to start our own school, a Bible school for a Christian school for kids, K through 12. I never had really much of a vision for that before as a pastor, but um, my kids are older. I'm the pastor of a church now, and I get it. I, I, I see the value in it. And uh, so, so that's something we want to do. Now, let me, let me just kind of tell you just as a side note with all of that, um, you might be wondering, okay, school, okay, that, that's going to require, that's going to require a building, right? That, that we own one day. Yes, that's true. Um, for those of you that don't know, we, we lease this facility right now. We're on a two year lease and we've got a, our, our board of elders, our finance team. And then we have a, a building team right now that's led by some wonderful people in our church that are exploring and examining all kinds of different options between buying and renovating or finding some land and, and building. We're, we're just kind of in an exploratory mode right now. But if you've been here for very long or if you're one of our members, you know that our desire is, this isn't scripture, it's not like it's written in stone or something, but, but our desire is, is to remain downtown. And I'll tell you why. Uh, several reasons. One, we desire to be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. And so we see downtown as being a hub for every part of town to come together and to worship together. Just like it talks about in Ephesians chapter two, that the gospel tears down every wall of hostility and it makes us one people, one family in Christ. And so we see downtown as being a great bridge to every side of town, a place where we can come together and worship God as one family. So, so, so that's one reason. Uh, another reason is, is that through the process of the revitalization of downtown, lots of new people are going to be moving into this area. South Plains is actually moving in right across the street, South Plains College. They're renovating the old city of Lubbock offices. And so we're gonna have a big college right across the street and Texas Tech right down Broadway from us. And so we want to be here to be close to college students. And you'll know more about why that's important to us when we get to next week and we start talking about sending people to unreached people groups. And so that's why we want to be in the downtown area. And so we're exploring all kinds of different options for a permanent home and facility for our church. My job in Ephesians 4, though, says that Regardless of where we meet, whether it's here, there, anywhere, at a park, by a tree, whatever it is, my, my job is to prepare God's people for their works of service, for their ministry. God has a ministry. He spiritually gifted you to serve his kingdom for his glory and for the good of the church. And my job, the pastors of this church, our job is to prepare you for your work of service, for your ministry. And so that's why we are studying the scripture verse by verse, because the scripture says that God's word will equip you and prepare you for every good thing that God wants you to do. 
And so as we study God's word together, verse by verse, you're being, whether you realize it or not, you're being equipped, you're being discipled, you're being trained for your work of service, for your ministry to God. So we're preaching the gospel, we're preaching the scripture, but I also believe as Wayne Grudem says in his systematic theology, that ministries of mercy will accompany or adorn the gospel that we preach. Not replace, our primary work as a church, our primary mission as a church is to preach the gospel. But Wayne Grudem says, famous theologian, almost every uh, conservative seminary in our country uh, uses his systematic theology for their systematic theology classes to train pastors. And what he says, and I agree with him, I believe that ministries of mercy will adorn, not replace, adorn the gospel that we preach. And so here's what I want to do for just a few minutes. I want to tell you about some of the ministries of mercy, our local partners that we support. And then with your help and with you going all in, some new partners that we want to add this next year. So, so first of all, let me tell you about some of our, our current partners that we support in our preaching of the gospel and our serving and being a blessing to this city in Jesus' name. And these are all based on, if you've been through our membership class, which is next week, our next membership class, these are all based on our family values. We, we've chosen partners to work with strategically here in our city and among the nations based on our family values. So one of those partners is Open Door. This is a ministry to the homeless. And they've recently added in recent years a ministry to those, to victims of sex trafficking. So Open Door, over the last 10 years or so, has seen tremendous success. They've, they've been around longer, but over the last 10 years, what just through the, the grace and mercy of God, they have gotten tremendous traction in our city of getting the chronically homeless off our streets and into permanent housing in our city. And if you've been watching the news, if you've seen some of the articles we've posted, they are getting us, Open Door is getting us closer and closer to what they call functional zero where there is functional, what they call functional zero, where there are zero functionally, chronically homeless people living on our streets. By the way, saving our city hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax dollars. So we support, we serve alongside Open Door as they continue to inch closer and closer. And it's within sight. It's within sight. We're very close to getting to functional zero through the ministry of Open Door. Secondly, we're partnered with One Voice Home. One Voice Home is led by a member of our church. Her name is Hillary Cobb. She's the executive director of One Voice Home. She leads this ministry who seeks to provide housing, care, and training for victims of sex trafficking, specifically minors. Open Door is going to be working with and has worked with adult victims of sex trafficking. One Voice's vision is to work with minors, and they've already been receiving a, a, couple, of, a couple of girls. And it was the, the heart and the prayer of our church when we planted our church to help Hillary and One Voice Home open their doors. They opened their doors about a year ago, I believe. They've been receiving girls who have been victims of sex trafficking, and they provide housing, care, training, support, skills for these victims of sex trafficking. And then finally, 
Hope City. Hope City is our campus, it's our church that meets inside the Lubbock County Detention Center and then across the street at the CRTC, the county or the court residential treatment center. We have services and small groups where they participate with us every week through worship, they receive our teaching. We have small groups for those men and women out at the Lubbock County Detention Center all throughout the week. And they participate with us. We have a couple hundred that join us for worship every week at Hope City. And we tell them, you're just at the Hope City campus, but when you get out, you're gonna transfer to the city campus because you're already a part of our church. And some of you here today, were probably a part of Hope City. And we are thrilled that you have made the transition and you've joined us here at the city church. We've seen hundreds of men give their lives to Jesus inside LCDC and CRTC and have become active members of this church. So those are our current partnerships. Now, let me tell you about some ministries of mercy, some partners we would like to add this next year with your increased and continued support. Once again, based upon our family values, our values as a church. And I don't have time to go through all those here, but at our membership lunches, where you can become a member of our church, we go through our full statement of beliefs, we go through our family values, so you know everything that we believe and everything that we desire to do as a church. One of the partners we're looking to add this next year is Parkridge Pregnancy Center. Parkridge is a nonprofit medical clinic providing specialized medical services in a convenient, confidential atmosphere. They provide pregnancy testing, ultrasounds, STD testing, and treatment for women, professional counseling, and are available at no cost. All of those things are available at no cost to the woman. So we don't wanna just talk about being pro-life. We don't wanna just preach that life begins at conception. We wanna come alongside women and actually help them and do something about it and back up what we're saying. And so with your continued and increased support, we're looking to add and become more involved with Partnerage Pregnancy Center. Next is the Immigration Coalition. Now, we've spent a little bit of time preaching about this, but let me just say very briefly, when it comes to immigration, the, the, the foreigner among us, the, the scripture has a lot to say. Now, we're not gonna get into all the political aspects of this, all the policy aspects of this, because Christian, we don't have to. If you're a follower of Jesus, there is no other option, there is no other choice, to, except to be obedient to the scripture, which says, receive and care for the foreigner that's among you. That there is no other option. So, when it comes to what's going on at the border, the mission of the church is clear. There's, there's no debate. It is absolutely clear. We are to care for, to support, and to receive the foreigners that are among us. And so the Immigration Coalition is a nonprofit organization providing clean drinking water and other supplies to Latino, immigrant, and migrant communities along the U.S.-Mexico border. And so with your continued and increased support, we are going to be adding them this next year as one of our local or national mission partners. Next is an organization called the Innocence Project. The Innocence Project exonerates the wrongly convicted through DNA testing and reforms the criminal justice system to prevent future injustices. Deputy Director 
of the Innocence Project for Texas lives right here in Lubbock, is a lawyer in the Texas Tech Law School, and our law students here at Texas Tech are some of the ones that review these cases, that help men and women who've been wrongly convicted get their cases overturned and actually see them released. Lots of times, those people are wrongly convicted people that are sitting on death row. And I probably don't have to tell you that those who are wrongly convicted, those who are on death row wrongly convicted, are by far disproportionately poor black men and women. It's, it's an overwhelming. I saw a statistic in the, in the last year that said one in eight sitting on death row are actually innocent. That's staggering. And so what the Innocence Project does, because we're, we're a, again, we're a church, like Jesus said, with a heart for the least of these, for those who are, are, are victims, for those who've been wrongly accused, as the scripture says in Isaiah, and as God told Isaiah, stand up for justice, seek justice, do mercy. We, we will be a church that supports things like this, like the Innocence Project of Texas that's seeking to help men and women wrongly convicted see their cases overturned and set free. And then finally, while we have not narrowed down which organization it will be, we have been in the process of interviewing, as we do with all of these, interviewing and figuring out an organization to support the leadership development, education, and Bible training for black leaders in our community. And so we've been interviewing several different organizations. We're in the process of that. And our hope is, is that by the beginning of this next year, again, with your continued and increased support, we will have narrowed down that ministry, that organization that we will support because we wanna go all in in all of these different areas that are all based upon our family values as a church to not just preach the gospel, but to put our money and our time and our blood, sweat and tears where our mouth is and to support these ministries of mercy that adorn the gospel that we preach. This Christmas, we are partnering with communities and schools again this year to bless 40 families with their Christmas wish list. And so we're challenging our families our small groups, couples in our church, friend groups to adopt a family to bless this Christmas. The lists of needs include winter clothing, toys, books, and everything in between. You can sign up to take a family by uh, clicking or scanning that QR code on the back of your pew right in front of you, or you can use the sign up tab on our app. Go to our app and hit signups. There's a link there that will take you to a page where you can select a family that you would like to support this Christmas. The list on the sign-up page is a general idea of the number of people in the family, what their general needs are. And once you sign up for a family, you'll receive more detailed information like sizes and ages and things like that. But if you're not as digital and you're more visual, if you look back there right now, there's a big TV screen and a table that says Christmas project. You can go back there, you can sign up. There'll be some people there to help you choose a family to bless this Christmas that's in need as we partner, continued partner with communities and schools. We're going all in church. 
We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to make disciples. And we're going to give ourselves to ministries of mercy that will adorn the gospel that we preach. In Acts chapter 13, before Paul and Barnabas are sent out, it says that there was a group of people that, that got together. This, this church at Antioch got together. The leaders got together. And I want you to see in Acts 13, the group of people that make up the church at Antioch. Watch this. In Acts chapter 13. Among the prophets and teachers of the church in Antioch of Syria were, were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and, and Saul, who became Paul. One day, as all of these men and women were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. This is what happened right before the passage we read earlier in Acts chapter 14. So, so this church made up of people like this, where they all came together, they, they prayed, they fasted, and in a common mission with a common vision, they sent out Paul and Barnabas. They, they, they were all, all in. It wasn't just Paul and Barnabas that were all in. They were all, all in. They were all in on the mission. They all had a different role to play. But I want you to look again in Acts chapter 13. Look at the people that, that are here. You, you've got Barnabas, you've got Simeon called the black man who, who, who is from, from Africa. You had Lucius from Cyrene, again, another African. You had Menaean, a childhood companion of King Herod and Antipas. Uh, that means he was a part of the royal court. That, that, this is an influential, rich dude who is companions, who is friends with King Herod Antipas. And then you have Saul with his extremely religious background. You, you've got Jews and Gentiles. You've got Greeks and non-Greeks. You've got Middle Easterners with dark skin, with Africans with even darker skin. Guys, this is a, a church at Antioch. Here, here's what's so cool. It, it's a church that's made up of people of all ages, all ethnicities, all kinds of backgrounds, rich and poor, religious, non-religious, together on the same page to accomplish the mission of God. They were all, all in. And as we said earlier, if there's no other name, then there's no other choice. If there's no other name, then there's no other choice. Then for all to be all in, all must be all in. All must give their all. It can't be all gave some, and it can't be some gave all. It must be all gave all. Why? Because there's no other name. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. An all-in mission requires an all-in church, which requires all-in people. And so here's some easy kind of steps that you can take to go more all-in. If you're not volunteering, start volunteering. Help other people at our church experience what you've experienced. 
Help other people at our church, kids, youth, adults, senior adults, college, help other people at our church hear the gospel and learn the scripture. If you're not in a city group, you need to join a city group, jump on our app, fill out our form. Pastor Brain will be in touch with you, help you find a group. Maybe you could start a group for you, your, your family, your friends, start studying the scripture together. You can fill out a form on our app under city groups and Brandon will be in touch with you and help you start that new group. You could start giving this next year so that we could add some of these new partners. You could start giving so that we can continue to save as we are for the down payment on whatever it is we end up purchasing or buying. You could pray about a year-end gift that you could give this year to help us continue to spread the gospel, to help us save once again for that down payment on that building or land that we end up purchasing. So you could start giving. Maybe you're here and you've been giving, but going all in for you means beginning to increase that giving as you go into this next year. Maybe it means praying as a family about what do we need to do? Are there things like Paul that we need to be willing to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel? Since there's no other name, that there's really no other choice. Or maybe going all in for you looks like joining our church. Going all in with this, learning about what we believe, the values of our church and making a commitment to being a disciple that makes disciples here at the City Church. You can sign up for our next membership lunch next Sunday, right now on our app under signups. But what does that look like for you? What is the spirit telling you right now? What does that look like for you to go all in with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Maybe it's you need to finally invite that, that friend, that family member, coworker, neighbor to church with you next week. Maybe it's that you need to actually share the gospel with that family member, coworker, or friend this week. But whatever it is, no other name means no other choice. All must be all in. It can't be all gave some, and it can't be some gave all. It must be all gave all. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the great news of the gospel that you have made a way, that you have given us a name by which we must be saved. But God, I pray that right now in the hearts of believers, followers of Jesus in this church, God, that we would reject through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would reject this casual American Christianity that so many of us have grown up in and become accustomed to. And by your spirit, we would, we would hear and we would feel just God, you changing our hearts right now in this moment to go all in, to not, not give some and to not be kind of partway there or halfway there, but to go all in with the gospel because no other name means there's no other choice. And so God, by your spirit, would you speak a hundred, hundreds of different messages to every single person in this room about what that looks like? And then God, I pray if there's anyone here that never given their life to Jesus, that right now in this moment, by your spirit, you would do a miracle in their hearts and that they would believe by faith in Jesus because there's no other name by which we must be saved. Jesus, as we worship right now in this moment, 
move in our hearts by your spirit. It's in your name we pray, amen.